word and through the written word, we may behold the living word, our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, if you are asked to do something really, uh, really difficult and really maybe quite dangerous task, what would you expect to be given to prepare yourself for it? about what was, um, what was going to be needed, the support structure that would be with you, some training probably in some particular bits of the task that you won't have come across before, and the, possibly the selection process to explain why you've been chosen and not others. And Moses got none of these. There he was, helping his father-in-law looking after the sheep in the wilderness and of course it's burning but it doesn't appear to be consumed so we go to have a look which is not surprising not surprisingly also uh, I think it's the monasteries of Catherine the Sunday I don't know and claims to have a shoot from that burning bush you um, believe that if you like um, but that's the sort of thing you go well, God speaks to Moses and is out of the bush. And it's all a bit sort of terrifying. What, says God, you're going to get a sign. Oh, well, that's, a, that's an improvement, probably Moses thinks. Something to tell me um, uh, that it, it's, it's going to work. To tell me that it's, I'm not dreaming, I'm not seeing things. Um, there wasn't something I've eaten and I'm not hallucinating. Yes, you're going to get a sign. But after you've done it, what I tell you to do, you will worship me on this mountain. Great, it's pleasant. I don't get the signs of after I've done the task. So I don't know that I'm actually doing the right thing in July until it's all over. He didn't want to do it. In fact, he said, I can't speak, I'm no good at public speaking, so get somebody else to be the mouthpiece. And so God is a bit of irritation, says, when you're uh, you've got Aaron. Aaron will be the man who is the gospel in charge. So he goes to Pharaoh, of course, and there is quite a, and you know the story, we're not going to go for it all this morning, it's a very, very long story, of how the children of Israel uh, eventually were allowed to go, into, go on their journey to seek a promised land. But it's going to take 40 years. And what's more at the end of it, Moses doesn't get to go into the promised land either. What is it that this God asks us to do? And sometimes seems to choose the hardest way of doing it. It seems to be you only get the reward after the pain of the suffering, and you only get the assurance that you've done the right thing after it happened. Last week I was listening to um, a lecture when they had some feedback from the lecture from a rabbi um, actually talking about Job. And he started off by saying, you know, if I was able to go back in time, what I'd really like to do is go back to those days when those that early group of rabbis selected the scriptures that were going into the Hebrew Bible. Interestingly, there are similar meetings actually in the Christian church that have been put the New Testament together as well. 
son of man needing to somehow or other, and he never clearly worked out in mind at all, somehow or other is going to be the overturning of the Roman occupation, the re-entry into Jerusalem, the re-establishment of the Davidic kingdom. All that God has promised to perhaps you what's on the agenda, Lord, not suffering and dying. No, said Jesus. It is suffering and dying, and it's not resisting. Because why not resisting the power of the people, as you will find, you completely empty it of its power. See, those who have caught the wing wrote several times on something called the myth of redemptive violence. And that so often we see in the world, somebody comes up and dreadful to you. So you mobilise your forces and get back. And that thing happens. You work with one in two days, you put themselves on, they get back to you. And there's whole sets of children's fairy tales and cartoons built around this. Um, if you look at Popeye, Popeye's always getting beaten up by Pluto or something and having his girlfriend Oliver or taking on him. So he eats his spinach and beats seven bells out of Popeye, out of, out of Pluto. Until the next episode, Pluto back again and falls up again. And this is what Walter Wick calls the myth of redemptive violence. Yeah. Violence does not redeem you from violence. The only way to deal with violence is actually to accept it. Because then it won't more power. And that's a really difficult lesson to learn. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And I wonder how long it took Peter to learn that. I'm sure it wasn't instantaneous. Oh, well, of course, I'm sure you're right now. So, yes, we're going to go this direction. How long did it take the other disciples to learn? How long did it take the early church to learn that actually that death was not was a terrible mistake, it was a wonderful victory because it showed that death had no longer any power? Some of you will not take death until you see the Son of come in glory. But Judas tasted death before that, before he saw it. Judas was one who didn't get his mind around it. There's a rather wonderful story that uh, somebody was asking children, uh, what did Jesus do when he was in the tomb? And it's a tradition that goes to the goes to Hades to talk to the departed souls. What do you do you think Jesus was going to talk to? And some of the six year old said, I think he was going to find his son Jesus. Judas would have learned that, but rather later. There are lessons in this for Matthew's church, the church that Matthew wrote his gospel for, that suffering was going to come, and that not everybody would suffer in the same way, but some would, and it wasn't to break the state on God's plan. Yes, it would be there, but glory and there's a wonderful story in the world testified in the just post-contestment documents of the martyrs and the Polycarp. And Polycarp is being burnt at the stake. And as he as he's being burnt at the stake, a dove comes free and flies in and glory is shone all around and the church that are gathered together. And Polycarp is taken. Jesus and his father realise that now the glory has come. 
for Polycarp. It was death for him. But we don't get called generally for that sort of thing in this country. We might suffer for our faith as people mock us, people tease us, people even discriminate against us, though really not very much is usually the people have discriminated against certain Christians for their faith in this country. It's often because they've done something in the city as well to start with. But that's not true in all the world. And a friend of mine, the woman called Elaine Stalky, has written about how when she was at a conference in the Netherlands a few years ago, three or four days, and at breakfast time at this conference, she got talking to a Roman Catholic priest, a missionary priest, a Dutch missionary priest, who of course is English, perfect, and they're all perfect English. And um, one morning, uh, second or third morning in, uh, he came into the breakfast room and she could see from his face that something had happened. And he sat down and said, well, he said, uh, something happened. Yes, he said, I've just got news of my next question. Oh, well, where's that to? And he said, to the end. And how long have you been for? Until I die. I'm replacing a priest who was murdered, who himself replaced a priest who was murdered. The path of suffering for some and pain and death is still there. And just as Peter got it wrong, so often we get it wrong as well. And the church gets it wrong. And Peter had to learn and be prepared to change his mind and renew what he thought. And others in the church have had to do it. We have all sorts of arguments in the church still today, but very much today. The arguments in the Church of England at the moment seem to be centered uh, around same-sex marriage, homosexuality, living in love and faith. But there are still people who get, who really don't want to talk or allow anybody in their group to disagree with them. Used to be the case, particularly um, in the reign of the first of England, the second, when the Church of England learned to live with disagreement, and you knew there were people in your church being disagreed with, but you maintained the unity because it was better than no unity at all. And that's also part of the history of the church. Really about very important things, actually about things that are far, far more important than whether same-sex marriage is permissible or not. Back in 